It's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. The Health in the Real World podcast is sponsored by... When I was just 14 years old, I threw out my back. When I was 24 years old, I began to learn about simple, gentle exercises and stretches that could systematically restore movement when your back pain is being caused by sedentary lifestyle. Four workouts to ease muscle tension and develop core strength. Workout number one is the easiest. Workout number four is the hardest. You systematically progress yourself through this. This book has been amazing for so many people. I've gotten so much feedback about it, about how it has literally just changed people's lives. This is the book to get. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Help, I threw out my back. Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke, joined today by Sarah Rose Bright. Sarah is a sex and intimacy coach, founder of the Sexy Life podcast, and the creator of Intimate Sexuality. Sarah is on a mission to help women and couples to love and celebrate their sexuality, create happy and healthy intimate relationships, and find their pleasure, playfulness, and passion in life. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. You're absolutely welcome. Um, so how did you get into this? How, how did this start? And then tell us a little bit about, um, about what you do and how you help people. Mm. Well, it certainly wasn't something that was discussed at the careers meetings at school. Right, I would imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Doing this role. And like many people, I got into this work because I had my own challenges. I'd had quite a traumatic relationship in my teenage years, which left me with very low self-esteem, loathing of my body and very nervous about sex. I didn't know what I wanted, didn't know how to ask. And I just knew it was something that I had to address. And so I faced my biggest fear. And here I am 20 years later doing this as a full-time job. So, yeah. So this was it. You were, you were a teenager when this happened? Yeah, a teenager. So wow. I was just in a very emotionally abusive relationship, which just left my self-esteem in tatters. I turned to drugs and alcohol in my wow. sort of early 20s. And it was actually becoming a a young mum that was the catalyst for my wake up with this and knowing I had to sort myself out and do something about it. But 20 years ago when I was doing this, you know, it's the the, we've got a, um, a huge growth in sex coaches, teachers, intimacy teachers, courses. There was very little around 20 years ago. Right. You literally had to go and hunt for it. Um, but I was just on a mission. I just knew it was a place that I needed to go and I knew I needed to sort it. And I knew it wasn't something a doctor could help with or, and I didn't want to, a therapist didn't seem like the right route. So I just sought out my own healing and, and managed to find some places where I could do that. And yeah, here I am 20 years later. <laughs> so what did you, what did 20 years ago, what did you have to do since there weren't that many resources? Where, where did you have to go and how did you sort of piece that together? Yeah, well, I was actually in a bookshop looking for something and um, I found a book on Tantra 
And through that book and looking on the internet, I found a women's group that was meeting up the road. And that's where I went because it felt a safe place to go as part of my healing. And so I just started helping. There was a women's group that looked at sexuality and intimacy. And I just started going to that. And then I ended up coming to America um, all over the world trying to find the best training and teaching so it was um, a real mission but I just it just changed my life on every single level and it's just now my passion to help other people because when people are stuck in this area of their life it affects everything yeah it does um, you work predominantly with women or or men also couples Women and couples, I worked with men for a number of years and um, yeah, I love working with everybody, mm -hmm. um, but it was just about niching down and yeah. I then focused on women, but women was just bringing their partners. <laughs> and so it's just meant, meant that working with couples as well. And so, so, yeah. so I love working with, with everyone. <laughs> so what do you find is like, what does somebody initially call you for? Like what, what are the, I don't know, the symptoms yeah. or what do they want to work on? So often it can be for couples, one or one of the partners doesn't want to have sex or isn't feeling any desire, or there can be a mismatch in desire. So one would define themselves as experiencing lower desire than the other. There's always a mismatch. So one of the right. first things I do is normalize that. Um, it can also be a lot with couples around communication you know we don't have a vocabulary for how to talk about this and how to create a great sex life and so often for couples it's an awkward area one or both parties can feel uncomfortable talking about it um, and then for the women I work with again low desire can be a really common theme but also what I see generally is a lack of sexual confidence because there's no education mm. in this part of people's lives so you've got the typical reasons people can come for like uh, they're not having an orgasm or a man might be ejaculating quicker than he'd like. But I just see a whole load of people that, that actually the biggest thing is lacking in sexual confidence mm. and being performing to a sort of sexual script. They think this is how sex should look, that it is goal based. And when it's sort of what I call goal based sex, where sex is always about heading towards orgasms, while that can be pleasurable, it can also be really limiting. And that's when people come to me saying sex is boring, it's functional, it's routine. Yeah. And it's about often unlearning how they've learned to do sex to really access their natural erotic pleasure and blueprint. Yeah, more about, yeah, that's interesting. The goal, what do you call it? Goal-based? It's, uh, I would imagine that could get very like mundane and like, Okay, here, let's just get through this to get to the, right? It's not like present, that that act has such a, an ability to pull you into the present moment. But if you're goal-based, you're thinking about what's going to happen in five, 10 minutes from now, right? Exactly. And there's this continual internal dialogue. Am I aroused enough? Are they aroused enough? Are they enjoying it if they're not talking about it? And also when you're focused on the goal, you cannot fully immerse yourself in the present moment. Yeah. And so it totally limits the pleasure that you can experience. And yeah. so um, that's the core thing that I work with, with everybody is unlearning the goal-based way of doing sex to, and because with that as well, a whole load of habits and patterns happen. So when you're in the goal-based model of sex, it often means sex where tension builds in the body, it gets hotter and faster 
and they're just a couple of the habits and, and there's nothing wrong with that and it can feel great so I don't want anyone listening to feel there's anything wrong with that but if that's the only thing you have every day it's a bit like having pizza for lunch every day right. you would get bored <laughs> right 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 it, so do you think like the the way that a couple interacts sexually is like a symptom of other things happening or do you think a lot of times it can be the driver of other things or maybe a combination of both yeah I think a combination of both because when I start to work with couples we start to we unpick what's impacting their experience mm -hmm. and so that can be for example a lot of women that I work with then they can be very sort of successful women in their work haven't learned to fully let go and enjoy their pleasure mm. they've learned that their pleasure is often about giving to the man and these messages are still so strong so there can be the sort of historical messages lack of education but also that can be part of power struggles if there's other dynamics in the relationship sex can be a way to withhold from the other person so there can be often numerous things that we're unpicking to find out um, what's impacting on their ability to connect and enjoy each other. What are some, what are some common themes that you see with either couples or with single women that, I mean, let's start with couples. What are some mm -hmm. common things you see with couples as far as like, like what you were just talking about, power struggles or different things like that, that, that mm -hmm. manifest yeah. in your work? So, 100% things that can come into the sex in their sex lives. So for example, might be disagreements over parenting styles, or um, money, all those sort of things can feed into the power struggles that can show up in the bedroom. I think one of the things that that couples a big thing for couples is assuming that sex should just be natural and easy. And if it's not, then there's something up with them. Mm -hmm. But actually creating a great sex life, especially after the excitement of the first six months, sort of 18 months, takes time and effort. Just like it is if you want to create a beautiful garden, it takes time and effort. And so, so many couples start to feel there's something up with them because it's not easy. And the relief that they feel when we have the conversations around this, like, oh, no wonder it's not easy because I'm not actually asking for what I want or I don't know what I want. Sometimes they don't even know that. They just know that it's not working. And usually one couple is the driver of saying there's got to be something more to this. We've got to sort this out. Right. And also just to things like assumption patterns. So, for example, just the assumption, well, my partner should know what, 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 what makes me feel good. They should know <laughs> Um, how to give me pleasure and those sort of habits creep in and one of my teachers calls it the bandwidth of familiarity where they just get comfy with each other right. and I think that's a, a big issue as well so there's just so many patterns that couples get into um, that can just affect their ability and also another thing another thing is the myth that it should just all be spontaneous um, and if it's not again there's something up with them but you know, if couples didn't plan to go to work, they wouldn't go. And actually, sometimes for resurrecting their sex life, that's what needs to happen is to plan it in. Um, because we're just so busy these days, and, and it needs to be put in the diary. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it does affect so many other things, right? Um, so what, I guess my next question was like, time frame, like, 
someone comes in to see you, they realize, say one example of what you were just talking about, they are not either aware of what they want or they're not expressing what they want. And then you help them uncover this. What's, uh, I mean, I know everybody's different, but what's kind of a time frame that you've seen like, oh, so-and-so comes in and we talk for this much time and they realize this. Like, what are some, some typical outcomes that you've seen? Mm. So, well, time frames, um, because it, there's usually more than that as well. And so um, time frames are usually work with couples for around four months. So it's around eight sessions to really unpick all of this and so that they have the tools to talk about it in a way that feels um, generative and creates connection rather than distance, that they can navigate some of the icky stuff when it comes up. And they also can have the tools to create great pleasure going forward. And so it might be um, unraveling dynamics that happen. And so I play a lot of intimacy games with the couples that I work with. So I'll give you an example, because this is very um, much about how we are in our pleasure and our bodies to just sit around and talk about it and then go home actually um, doesn't get to the root of it. But if we can explore it in the sessions together, we can learn so much and we can really unpick some of the dynamics. So a little exercise I might do with couples is they take turns asking for the type of touch that they would like on their hands. And that alone can be mind blowing for some of the couples when they realize they don't know how to speak or they feel awkward asking for what they want or they are so trying to get it right that they it's just not natural when they're giving you know there can be all sorts of dynamics that can unpick there and so those sort of exercises are really really powerful and so we work at the sort of um you know on the different levels the thoughts the beliefs that are happening the feelings the emotions and then how to access more pleasure because when we're just heading towards orgasms all the time we experience pleasure in quite a narrow bandwidth <laughs> And for everybody, um, there's always more pleasure that we can experience. So how to feel more, how to enjoy more as well. So lots of different levels. That's interesting. That's an interesting analogy, like a narrow bandwidth. Because um, it's like you're almost going in knowing that, okay, this has to happen, then this, then it's like very predictable, right? It gets, that is kind of a recipe for boredom, right? Yes. It's like you go in with a script, all right, yeah. we're going to do this, this, and this. And I already know how, I already know how this movie ends. So yeah, good, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So couples either have what some couples might call like duty sex, where they just show up to, to tick that box, or they just find ways to avoid it altogether. Um, yeah. So, but you know, when, the, with the couples I work with, there's just relief of like, oh, there's another way to connect here. And it's not that complicated, but we just don't have the, the tools for it. And we also don't have the reference points for it. You know, if I want to learn to create certain types of cakes, there's a million videos on YouTube. I can right. watch different styles, different recipe ways. books. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When it comes to sex, what we have is quite limited um, and discerning what's quality and what's true out there compared to what's sort of performative, we just don't have access to seeing that. So we pick up references from sex in the movies where the couples rip each other's clothes off in two seconds flat and, and right. um, it's all hot and, and, and quick. And, and for example, a lot of things I do with couples is really helping them to slow down and it blows their mind, the pleasure that they can experience when they 
slow down. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you know, you, when you were growing up, it's not like the career counselor pulled you aside and said, hey, Sarah, you know, here's an option that I think you might be good at. It's like, you know, that this is a very, a very, uh, it's only very recent that we can even talk about this, right? So actually, that's a good segue. Speaking of talking, what, what are, what's the format of your podcast? Like, what is that like? What do you address? Um, how long are they? How often mm -hmm. do you put them out? So, yeah, so I only launched it eight, nine weeks ago. Um, actually a little bit longer and it's called the sexy life podcast and it's around positive sex intimacy education but also wanting to broaden it out because there's other things that impact on our ability to have a really pleasurable life like our relationship with money our health all those sort of things and I just uh, I have invited some you know from my career of doing this for 20 years met so many incredible people and I forget that we have mind-blowing conversations <laughs> that you know for, for everyday um, people that really are mind-blowing but to me it's quite ordinary because it's what I do all the time right. and so I just wanted to capture some of these conversations um, and put them out there and so I've been having conversations around um, orgasms, desire, um, intimacy, couples, relationships, all sorts of different things. And so they're around an hour each episode because I want to sort of have time to go deep with them. Um, and they come out every Monday. Every Monday. Nice. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I experience a similar thing to what you were just talking about but with fitness it's like i'm talking about fitness and workouts and this muscle that muscle all day long and you know people are like how does this just roll off your tongue so fast you know, i'm like well it's it's the 10,000 hour thing <laughs> so what ha have you found i know you mentioned you were in kind of a, a abusive relationship in your teens and and that so you're sort of doing i guess therapy maybe on yourself i don't know if therapy is the right word but I got into the specific type of fitness that I do because of the same reason. Like I threw out my back, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so now I do core training, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out my own situation. So do you find that working with people through these things, you're, you're able to get even more crystal clear distinctions? And have you seen that affect your own personal life, your own romantic life? And, you know, oh because gosh. you just have yeah. all this right all this knowledge and it keeps coming it keeps coming yeah it's just an ongoing journey and, and you know I say to people around sex and intimacy it's lifelong learning not only the sexual skills but we don't get taught the skills on how to relate and most of us aren't raised with well a lot of us are not raised with role models around great intimacy and yeah. we're at a time in history where we've got more choice in human relationships than ever before and so for me, it's just ongoing learning. And I'm now just, uh, you know, in perimenopause and, you know, whether it's having children, whether it's stress at work or injuries, you're going to have these different life stages that change how you experience your body, your pleasure, all of these things. So for me, I'm continually learning, refining. And also I'm a human being, you know, I, I, I um, share my journey and my challenges openly um, as well. So, for example, two or three years ago, I had a prolapse, which is, you, you know, you know, when an, an organ drops. Mm -hmm. And um, and so for me, you know, it's it's talking about my real life as well and the changes that I have and all I'm learning and picking up all the time is super important. So, yeah. Right. Right. Um, is there do you know of any 
anyone who does the equivalent of what you do for men specifically, like if a man was listening to this and they wanted to talk to somebody? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so let me have a think. Well, I have a, uh, a friend, Rebecca Lowry. She runs something called the Sexual Alchemy Podcast, which is all about um, men's issues. She, she works and specializes working with men. And so I think she'd be a good place to start. And there's a year's worth of episodes there on all sorts of different subjects and topics. Nice. Um, awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, this seems, this is a very important, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit. <laughs> this is a very important discussion, I think. And, and like we were talking about, this has not been discussed out in the open for very long. And I was just kind of imagining, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and a lot of boys do this, they copy their dads. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of girls copy their moms, but like, you can't copy them on that. You may copy them on like, oh, my parents hug each other, but you're not privy to what's happening in the bedroom. So this is like one of those things that, you know, there's a certain degree of independent exploration as a, a young adult. And then as we mature that, um, this is great that you're helping people with this mm. as well, though. And the, and the independent exploration can be really um, stunted by interactions with the parents. So, for example, or caregivers. So, for example, uh, pretty much everybody's got stories of growing up and whether it's they found dad's porn mags or mum caught them doing something and shouted at them or they dressed a certain way or they tried to have a conversation and it was shut down. <laughs> And so we have all these experiences that on some level tell us that there's something wrong about this or it's to be done in secret, in shame. You know, all of these messages can really come through strongly, not with everybody, but I see that a heap with my clients. So that's why things take time because it's unraveling these messages of maybe where we're not fully giving ourselves permission to be a sexual being or we feel shame about our desires or asking for what we want or being seen in a sexual way. Um, and these things can be quite subtle and how they sort of creep into how we um, show up for ourselves or our partners. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're right. There's, and there's a lot of mixed messages, right? Like on Jeez. one hand, this is like, uh, you know, this leads to life. This literally creates a new human being, right? I, I have four kids and it, it's magic and it came from sex. Yeah. Yet on the other hand, it's like dirty, secretive, um, yep. you know, we don't talk about it, like you said, and, um, and it's like, and it is though, it is, it, it, there's like a, a huge disconnect, I think in that area, right? It's like, you, like, who do you, who do you believe? Like, wh where are you getting your influences from? You know, dad's playboys in the attic, all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Absolutely. so, so obviously the tide is turning, I would imagine, like you're, you're, doing a podcast you know other people who are doing similar work to what you're doing and and there are couples who are you know signing up and getting getting the work done and you know figuring this out and how to communicate with each other what do you see as as the future of your industry or mm. or either what you think where you think it is going or where you think you want it to go if those are different or the same it's really interesting. I've been really pondering this question recently because you have got the growth in things like AI tech, 
and sex robots and all of these sort of things that, you know, the sort of future, they call it sex tech. Um, and, you know, um, which for me personally is not where I want it to be heading um, because I see so many people struggling to connect with their own bodies. And that's where I feel that the journey is into our own bodies, our own pleasure. And I feel that there's a real, um, you know, growth of teachers. Um, and many people might have seen Sex, Love and Goop, which was on Netflix. And it was a massive big series um, that was um, from Gwyneth Paltrow's um, Goop crew. And what it did was it showed what is possible for sex and intimacy in different ways. It gave the peak inside that, that we don't have. And a lot of people in my field got a lot of calls after that series because so many people don't realize that people like me exist. And mm, yeah. so at the moment for the options are if I've got any challenges, I maybe go to therapy. But a lot of sex therapy is quite old school. Don't get me wrong. There's some amazing sex therapists out there. But I've also heard so many people where they've been to sex therapists and it's literally like they've been taught from a book from 30 years ago. Mm. And so. Um, I feel there's we're on a sort of tired turning. Um, and for me, it's about really authentic relating and really coming back to what's natural and getting out of the scripts that we've all learnt and how we can truly find deep connection and pleasure through presence and communication and authenticity and all these sort of things. That's where I'd love to see it heading because so many people, when they describe their sex lives to me, it's just a breaks my heart. Um, and so, um, and they think there's something up with them, but actually it's the type of sex they're having and they can't communicate. And as soon as they learn those skills, you know, one of my teachers says, great lovers are made, not born. Mm. <laughs> you know, everybody can learn this. Um, some people are naturally really good at it, but others just like cooking and actually good at it. Others people need a recipe book and they'll get there. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it's going to be interesting times. <laughs> interesting interesting yeah well it's definitely exciting uh i'm you're helping a lot of people in their relationships and and sex is a vital ingredient of that so sarah how do people get in touch with you um tell us about your podcast again how do people get a hold of you yeah so my website is sarahrosebright.com and uh you can go there there's the links to the podcast is on there and obviously you can listen to it on all the usual platforms um, you can also find out about my work, book a call to chat with me about my work and with the podcast, it's called the Sexy Life Podcast. Find it via my website, Spotify, Apple, all of those places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Again, this is Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke, joined today by Sarah Rose Bright. Sarah, thank you again so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for to learn more.